So welcome to part three of four in our topical sermon series on eldership, where we've considered what exactly it is that elders do. So once again, here is the outline of the series. One, elders feed God's flock by treasuring God's word and teaching it to others. Two, elders um, lead God's flock by being examples in both character and skill. Today, elders protect God's flock from false teachers and from spiritual apathy and sin. And next week, elders care for God's flock by encouraging them in the gospel in all of life's circumstances. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you might speak to us through it now as we consider this important topic. Equip your elders to, for the task um, that they have before them. Amen. Well, typically I would just preach through a book in the Bible, right? Um, but being a topical series, we're actually going to be touching on a few different passages uh, this evening. And today we begin in Matthew 7. Um, those words that <clears throat> Elise read where Jesus is, is wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount um, because, and we're beginning here because this is actually where we're first warned that there are going to be wolves, ferocious wolves, from whom God's flock is going to need protecting. But actually the, immediately preceding that verse is actually that really famous description of the two gates and their respective roads. You'll be familiar with that uh, description. The wide gate and the broad road that leads to destruction, which many enter. And then you have the small gate and the narrow road that leads to life that only few find. Now, I suspect that you and I have come to believe or assume perhaps that we here are all on the narrow road and everyone else is on the broad road. But I want to encourage us to read these verses in context and when we do, we discover to our surprise that there are people within churches on both roads. So that is, the contrast that Jesus is drawing is not between a narrow road uh, which is Christianity, and a broad road, which is just everything else. Actually, the contrast that he is drawing is between a narrow road that is authentic Christianity and a broad road, which is a kind of counterfeit Christianity. That is, there are those walking on the broad road who call themselves Christians. And this becomes clear as we read on. So Jesus continues, watch out for false prophets, he says. Now, even before we go any further, the temptation for us at this point is simply to switch off. Um, because in our minds, a prophet is some sort of bearded eccentric from long ago and far away. Or if you come from some charismatic traditions within the church, a prophet is just a very special person with rare supernatural gifts. But actually, neither of these are particularly biblical definitions. So what is a prophet? Well, a prophet is simply a man or woman who speaks to people for God or on behalf of God. So anyone really who tries to communicate what God wants saying is in this way prophesying. So I am prophesying when I preach um, in that I'm trying to communicate what it is that God would have um, you hear, what it is that God wants to say. 
Um, but actually, we've all tried to, to do that, haven't we? In all, all sorts of different contexts. We've all tried to think what, we've all tried to um, say what we think God is saying, haven't we? The problem is that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and actually nowadays, most prophets are false prophets. Most prophets are false prophets. Now, there is more to be said about all this. Um, but Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So that they're in sheep's clothing implies that they're going to look the part. They're going to appear harmless. But that they are actually ferocious wolves indicate the sort of damage that they can and will do to God's people, primarily through their beliefs and teaching. Primarily through their beliefs and teaching. So the church needs protecting from all sorts of different um, dangers and all sorts of different people, but the most potent attacks in church history have actually been doctrinal. That is to do with what we believe. As Satan raises up even members from within the church to attack the doctrinal integrity of a church. And friends, that can do enormous damage because what we believe matters. What we believe matters. And that's the picture that the Apostle Paul paints in his parting words to the elders in Ephesus. He writes this, he says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave... (coughs) Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Now, earlier in the series, we've actually already reflected um, that this sheep-shepherd imagery is actually reasonably foreign to us here in Australia. Okay, we don't have shepherds. But we do need, we do have sheep, pardon, who need protecting, don't we? Um, My family runs a sheep farm out in central New South Wales. We're actually going to go and visit there in a couple of weeks. And uh, in every paddock, particularly during lambing season, they have one or two alpacas there too. Now, I think I've used this illustration before. But does anyone know why? As, as a guard, that's, that's exactly right, Trish. It's actually thought that alpacas adopt flocks of sheep and they're young and protect them from predators. So it protects the flock much like a shepherd would. So at the risk of mixing metaphors, elders are to be alpacas. <laughs> not in every way. We're not to spit in your faces. But we are to protect you from predators. And here, here, the predators are these false teachers who draw away disciples by distorting the truth. And by distorting the truth, they would lead you in through the wide gate and down through the broad road. And the New Testament is full of warnings to be on the lookout for these false teachers. And it's actually the responsibility, primarily the responsibility of the elders to protect the church from them. And we do this by guarding what the Bible calls sound doctrine. And sound doctrine 
is that doctrine, that teaching, those beliefs that are thoroughly biblical and gospel-centred and when believed and obeyed, not only will save people, but will actually bear good fruit in their lives. Getting our doctrine right is actually the key to getting, getting everything else right. And we get our doctrine from the Bible, right? The Bible is our supreme standard. I love that language. We have a subordinate standard, the Westminster Confession, which we think distills a lot of what the Bible has to say. But the Bible is our supreme standard and elders are to protect the church from those who would distort it. But brothers and sisters, the reality is that not only are there wolves, right, who will seek to draw you away, but actually the truth is that our hearts are prone to wander. And so pastor elders are also to protect you from yourself. And how do we do that? Uh, by preaching and teaching the Bible, by, by pointing you to and providing solid Bible teaching. And so when we put equip to, to the women, we say we want to commend that to you and say that's solid Bible teaching that you're going to receive there. Paul writes to Timothy, he says this, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So not only are there wolves who will draw us away, but actually our hearts are prone to wander. Because the reality is that the truth, sound doctrine, is actually hard to swallow. It's hard to swallow and many will simply not hear it. Instead, they're going to gather around them teachers who, want to, who say what they want them to say, who say what they want them to hear, and they will turn away from truth and sort of wander off. And God's truth can be hard, can't it? I'm sure that there are parts of the Bible that you find difficult. I know that there are parts of the Bible that I find difficult. But the Bible has always been and should always be our supreme standard, our greatest authority. And the grid <coughs> through which we view and evaluate everything else. The Bible is the, the cornerstone and the touchstone of everything that we do. It's God's revealed word about who he is and where we are and what's wrong with the world and what he's done to fix it and what time it is and what we're waiting for and what we should be doing and what, all, what, what, what it's all about. And uh, it's full of stunning poetry and profound rhetoric and complex narratives and memorable sayings and meaningful imagery. And above and beyond all that, it is the very word of God. What the Bible says, God says. But in the midst of life, it is a constant battle to trust it. To build on it. Hold on it. Hold on to it. <coughs> Worldly wisdom often contradicts the Bible, doesn't it? Pushes us not to trust it. Advice from wise friends and family often contradicts, contradicts the Bible, pushes us not to trust it. And even our own experience, 
can for a season. <coughs> and when Scripture isn't allowed to interpret that experience, contradict the Bible and push us not to trust it. But Paul writes of an elder, he says, <clears throat> he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So elders must hold firmly to the trustworthy message so they can pass that message on to others and encourage others by sound doctrine. However, elders must also be prepared to refute those who would um, who would oppose sound doctrine. And friends, this has always required an enormous amount of gospel wisdom and spiritual discernment. So in cricketing terms, don't tune off. In cricketing terms, okay, uh, elders need to discern what opponents or what challenges to sound doctrine, what deliveries need to be defended what deliveries need to be put to the boundary and what deliveries need to be left alone to go through to the keeper. <coughs> and in my time here as an elder, two years I think now, we've actually faced all three types of deliveries. Pastor theologian um, Gavin Ortland wrote a book entitled Finding the Right Hills to Die On, The Case for theolog theological triage. <coughs> there it is there. And actually it was released during the height of the pandemic when Christians and churches found themselves in arguments over all sorts of different things, for all sorts of different reasons. Anyway, here's the blurb. In theology, just as in battle, some hills are worth dying on and others are not. <coughs> But how do we know which ones? When should doctrine divide? And when should unity prevail? Just as a medic on a battlefield treats the severely wounded first and then moves on to the less serious injuries, we must prioritise doctrine in order of importance. And he quite rightly suggests that the most important doctrines are those that are essential to the gospel. So things like the Trinity, things like that Jesus is uh, both fully man and fully God, things like uh, substitutionary atonement or, <clears throat> or the physical resurrection of Jesus or that we're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone or the authority of Scripture. And actually, <clears throat> there are instances of Paul actually triaging issues of theology. And in every case... The integrity of the gospel was his concern. So elders must be able to distinguish between issues central to the gospel and issues that are sort of peripheral to the gospel. Issues central to the gospel are worth fighting for. Issues that are sort of peripheral to the gospel, uh, we may debate, but may not be worth fighting over. Elders are not to make a a mountain out of a molehill, but nor are we to make a molehill out of a mountain. We're to keep the main thing the main thing. Because as Martin Lloyd-Jones once observed, he said, the most dangerous person of all is the one who does not emphasize the right things. The most dangerous person of all is that 
<clears throat> the one who does not emphasise the right things. There are some pastors, some churches, some entire denominations who do not emphasise the right thing, who misplace their emphasis. And it can be a matter of degrees. It can be a matter of degrees. But over time, a mere one degree error can actually make a lot of difference as to where you end up. Experts in air navigation have a rule of thumb known as the one in 60 rule. So it states that for every one degree a plane veers off its course, it misses its target destination by one mile for every 60 miles it, it, it travels, okay? So the longer you go off, the, go off course, the further you get off course. Sound doctrine is not an end in itself. It is a means to an end. The aim is not to all pass <coughs> an exam. It's a means to an end. And the end is knowing and treasuring Jesus. Sound doctrine gives people a clear vision of him so that they can know him more fully, trust him more boldly, enjoy him more deeply. And so guarding sound doctrine is very, very important. It's about making sure that you have truth to lay hold of. We care about doctrine because we want you to trust Jesus more deeply and experience more of his power in your lives. I want to close, though, by sharing that as elders, in protecting God's flock, actually puts elders in the firing line. Not only of uh, these savage wolves, but actually also of their master. And so the well-known Puritan Richard Baxter wrote of elders... He said this, the tempter will make his first and sharpest attack on you. He has long practised fighting neither against great nor small, comparatively, but against shepherds that he might scatter the flock. Take heed then, for the enemy has a special eye on you. You are sure to have his most subtle insinuations, incessant solicitations and violent assaults. And history shows this to be true. The history of TMPC shows this to be true. So please pray for your elders here at TMPC as we pray for you, as we seek to protect you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do once again thank you for the way in which you have gifted and built up the body. And we particularly commit the elders to you this evening in their task of guarding sound doctrine. Amen.